Amen? Amen. Seek his face first. Seek his will for your life. And where might he take you? Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you and praise you, Lord, for allowing us the privilege to walk with you and to journey with you and to learn from you and to allow your Holy Spirit to guide us. You are yet doing great things in each and every one of our lives. And we recognize the challenge, Lord. It's difficult. And sometimes life for us can be hurtful and it can be painful. But Lord, you are continuing to grow us individually and collectively. And you're the one who puts us together as a family. You're the one who takes the pieces of the puzzles and put us in our proper place. And Father, for this, we give you thanks and we give you praise. And we pray, Father, that as we continue on this journey of looking at the church and the saints, the church and salvation, that, Lord, that you might minister to us, that we might grow and that we might understand more of who we are in Christ, but also what Christ has given to us in the church. May you help us, Lord, to hear May you help us to understand. May you guide us through it all. That we might go away from this place. As David went away rejoicing that he had been in the house of God. And he was able to say he understands. May we, when we leave, be able to say, I'm understanding this a little bit better. I understand this a little bit more. I'm falling in love with that which Christ loves. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, the church, the church. The church gets beat up in many different ways. And I think church folks beat it up more than the world, than the people of the world. It's the people in the church who says, it's boring. Church is boring. There's times in church, I don't want to be here. But understand this. When you love somebody, it's not boring. It's not boring. And the church is always beat up on the thing that is out of place, is not modern enough, is not doing this, or is not doing that. Uh, if you were to examine and really take a look at church in the last 50 years, you will see that there are some things in the church life that is beginning to change. Where before churches wanted strong youth groups, they're starting to back off some. Because what we're beginning to understand, we had a large nursery of 15, 16, 17 year olds that were not what? Being trained in the word. And the most important thing for everybody in the church, no matter what age, 
is that we're being trained in the Word of God. We're being taught that Word. Why should we as Christians love the church? Why should the church be something that is important to us? It is the church people who teach the worldly people that the church is meaningless and you really don't need to go because you're not going to get much out of it. People out in the world who've never been in church, they hear church folks say, boy, it's dead. Well, who wants to come to something dead? And therefore, again, I want to reiterate, and you're going to hear me say this again. When you come to church, you want to see, you want to hear, and you want to receive. You want to be able to see what God is doing, but you also want to hear about what God is going to do. But you personally want to be able to receive something that you can take away with you. You want to be able to do those three things. But why should we as Christians love the church? Go to Ephesians chapter 5. Just a few statements of why we should love the church. And understand that the church was meant not just for the Christians, and I hear that quite often. The church is just for the Christians. The church is for everybody who is seeking God. The church is for everybody who desires to know more about Jesus Christ. One thing that we've done in church is this. Uh, We want to get you saved real quick. But you don't have no knowledge about the one that you're getting ready to enter into a relationship. If I would have married Elaine day one, the first day we met, boy! But God allowed us to journey together a little bit, get to know each other, date each other, even break up about five times and then find our way back to each other. You know? You want to be able to know what you're going to believe in. None of us go out and just buy a house without looking at it, without seeing it, without inspecting it. None of us buy an insurance policy without reading it. None of us buy a hospitalization without some knowledge of it. We all want to have knowledge, but when it comes to Jesus Christ, it's like, you don't need no knowledge, you just come. No, you need to have some knowledge. You need to know what he's committed to and what he's going to ask you to commit to. And we need to know that. So in Ephesians 5.23, he makes this little statement. He says, get my eyes straight here. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of what? Now, when you badger the church, you're also badgering who? Jesus. Why? He's the head of what? When you badger my home, when you talk about my home, when my home's not in order, when my home is not right, who are you talking about? Talking about me. 
Why? I'm the head of my home. Christ is the head of the church. And somehow we have disassociated Christ as being the head of the church. Now I think that's one of the biggest problems that we have. Because we don't see Christ really being the head. The pastor's the head. The elders are the head. This group is the head. No, Jesus Christ is the head of his church. And what oftentimes we say in scripture, we also don't recognize Jesus setteth up and Jesus taketh down. Jesus can take me down out of the pulpit or he can put me wherever he wants me to be in the pulpit. We serve a sovereign God. We say it, we don't believe it. And we need to come back to the place where we practice that Jesus Christ really is the head of his church. It's not a democracy. Praise God, yes, we can vote in the church and we can do that. But the voting should come after much prayer and after much seeking. Is this what God really wants? Is this doors that God has opened? Why? He's the head of his church. He didn't ask your permission if he can go left or right. He didn't ask your permission if he can do this or if he can do that. He does it through the leadership that he has set within a church. And if the leadership is wrong, they're answerable to God. They're answerable to God. And we need to recognize that. And we've lost that sight of who is really the head of the church. Jesus Christ is. And that's why I should love the church. Because he's the head of it. He's going to direct it. He's going to protect it. He's going to keep it. And no matter what has happened down through the centuries and through the years, guess what? The church has survived it. The church has survived it. Now, how long will Aqua Alliance Fellowship go on? I don't know, but I know this. If it's people in the church that love the Lord Jesus Christ, the church will continue on until Christ comes. As long as the word is being taught and the word is being honored and Christians are growing, this church will be. It does not exist because of Gus Brown. It does not exist because of the elders. It does not exist because of a few people. It exists because Jesus Christ birthed it out of himself. He is the head of the church. And we need to always recognize that he is. And we need to always come back to that point. Why do I love the church? Because Christ leads it. Christ is the head of it. Christ is the one. Go over to Ephesians 1, 22. He says, And God placed all things under his feet. Why do I love the church? God the Father did what? Made him the head of the church and placed everything where? Under his feet. Under his authority. Everything, everything is under his authority. Even when I think it's wrong and Satan's gotten in there, I need to come back and understand. Satan can do no more than what God allows him. 
Because God gives him boundaries. But sometimes God allows Satan to attack me, to wake me up. Why? He's taught me to be what? Alert! 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 I need to be alert. Why? There is a lion that's roaming around doing what? Trying to destroy me. But if I'm asleep all the time, it's going to happen. But God allows Satan to attack every now and then that you and I can learn to what? Be alert! And to know that we are protected by Him. That we are kept by Him. And there's nothing wrong when you're going forward. Understand, Satan doesn't want you to advance in Christian life. He doesn't want the church to advance. So there's going to be opposition. If there's no opposition, then it's a time to look around. If there's no opposition, then it's time to look around. But if there's opposition, understand this. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And you keep what? Moving. Because you believe God has set your feet upon that path. And you want to keep moving. And here, you see something between God and the Son now. God has placed everything under his authority. And he simply says, and God placed all things under his feet. Who is the his? Jesus. Who is the head of the church. Everything been placed under him. And appointed him to be head over everything for who? The church. Everything is under him. And the Father has given him the authority to be the head. Now, understand, there were 14 children in our home. And with those 14 children, it was a mess sometimes. And there was always at least, basically, nine of us at home at one time. But my dad had a rule. When he left the house, the oldest one was in charge. And if the oldest one was wrong in their judgment and punishing you, because they could whoop you, the oldest one. If they were wrong, they had to answer to dad. And that was that chain of command. And my brother Leonard, boy, he would get tired. And what Leonard would do is tie us up and put us in the corner. Now, my sister Elizabeth, we thought she was just mean. We knew the devil was in her. Because Elizabeth would slap you upside the head. Elizabeth would hit you. Boy, and you think Elizabeth was my dad the way she would swing. And Elizabeth was like, Mom, she don't speak one time. And we had each other, in a sense, as boss. And when it came my turn to be boss, and God says he has set everything under Jesus' feet, and he says, my son is boss in the church. My son is the boss here. He's over everything of the church. 
and we who believe that he's a sovereign God, all we have to learn how to do, the church has lost its ability to believe in the power of prayer. If you want me gone, start your prayer group praying over me. If I'm doing wrong, God will reveal it. And people can pray people right out of the church. Why? The Lord says you have not because you what? You can't ask, Lord, this shepherd is messed up. This shepherd is not an under-shepherd. He thinks he is the shepherd. And you can start praying. One of the reasons there's so many quarrels in the church and fight in the church is because people aren't praying about their things. They're trying to take action, which they think is righteous action, rather than praying and watch God work. It's amazing. It's amazing. If you really pray and believe God's a sovereign God, for the prayers of a righteous person availeth much. You and I are in the same boat. We serve Christ. You don't serve me, and once I don't serve you, but we serve each other because we serve Christ. We serve Christ. And he is the head of the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Go to Colossians chapter 1, verse 18. Colossians, just a couple of pages over. In verse 18, 118, Colossians 118. He says... And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything he might have the supremus. That he might be supreme in everything. That he is first in everything in the church. Now, some representative was thing about doing away with Johnson's thing about the church being in politics. The church is not here to be in politics, but the church is here to talk about politics. The church is here to help people figure it out. What is it and how does this fit in a biblical perspective? The church is here for that. The church is here to educate. And that's why we should love the church. Because it's a place where I come and I learn. It's a place where I come and I'm healed. It's a place where I come and get understanding. It's a place that I come and I'm able, and this part we don't like, to be sharpened. But in order to be sharpened sometime, boy, there, the, the, this movie about Jerusalem, and, and this young man meets his father for the first time, but his father has some wealth and have so many men up under him, and he's going to inherit it. And his father tells him to be loyal to God and loyal to the king, and then the father strikes him. What's wrong with you? 
the father wanted to remind him in life, there's time you're going to give what? But you get back up and you stay loyal to who? To God and to the king. You stay loyal. Even though you may get smitten at times, you stay faithful. And you want to teach yourself to be faithful. If you're praying about being faithful, then you got to teach yourself to be faithful. Because there are going to be some challenges in your life where you're going to run away, but are you faithful? Do you really want to be faithful? And remembering that Christ is the head. Back over to Ephesians 5, 25 through 27. Let me get there. He says, Husbands, love your wife just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy. One of the jobs of the church is to help make the people what? Holy. We get enough dirt out there. Coming in here is getting that shower, getting that bath. The church is instituted to make and help make the people of God holy. Understand, I know the church can't do it. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. But we come in here because the Holy Spirit is the teacher. And he's going to teach us. And as the scripture runs over us, it's like water running over us, washing us and cleansing us. And he says, boy, going to make us holy. Then you jump down to that verse 29. He comes a little bit further and he says, after all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it. Jesus is doing what? What is the church doing? Is caring and is what? Feeding. Caring and feeding. Caring and feeding. That you are really cared about. Now, Let's talk about that for a moment. People somehow think the church wants to run their life. I want to tell you something. Gus Brown got enough in running his own life. (laughs) And when you add Sister Brown in there, my cup runneth over. (laughs) And, and, And the whole process is this here. If the church doesn't get into your business, the church really isn't caring about you. Because we need to get into your business to understand how God is going to apply his word in your life and help give you godly counsel in what you're going to do. Now, that doesn't mean pastors are always right or elders are always right. But what it does do is this. It gives you some more options on the table. And plus it gives you men and women in the church who you can fire things at and say, what do you think about that? You think this is a good idea? What might you do if you were in this situation? It allows you now to begin to gather the wisdom 
of God's people because God is saying, boy, if any of you lack wisdom, all you have to do is what? Ask. But among us here, we're seeking God's wisdom to share back with you. And also to give you scriptural principles to help guide you. And you can take those scriptural principles and you can learn them and you can begin to walk by them and see what God does. Scripture is not just for us to come and read in church and then go home. Scripture is for us to learn to apply it in our lives and then live it out. The reason we don't grow is because we're not living out or taking the challenge that we are in Scripture. Where God shows us in Scripture, he says, now I want you to learn this. I want you to walk by faith with this. And when you do that, you're growing. When you don't do it, you stay right where you're at. Because you're not catching the word. Why? We are people who walk by faith. Faith in what? In the word of God. Because it's the word of God that you have to be able to apply to your life. And you apply it by faith. And you begin to live it. You begin to live it. The church cares for its people. It loves the people. Why? That's who Christ died for. He established the church that the people might come in and be loved and cared for and given directions. But we live in a culture and society today that does not want to receive any direction. Doesn't want to learn. Don't really really want to go from A to B. But willing to stay here and blame everybody else why they don't advance. They're willing to point out Yeah, so-and-so. I could have been up here if so-and-so would have got out my way. I could have been up here if so-and-so would have gave me this. I could have been up here if so-and-so wouldn't have did this or that. They can blame everybody, not understanding it is God that promotes, it is God who raises up, it is God who advances his people as they learn from him. It's not somebody else. We come into this place to learn of Him and to be able to follow Him more closely, to be able to walk with Him. Why? Because He gave His life for us. And He wants to be in your business. He wants to be in your daily life. He wants to be able to advise you. He wants to be able to help you. And see, the church is here for that purpose, to care for you and feed you, to feed you knowledge, to feed you intellect, to feed you spiritually. The church is here for that. It's not here just to entertain you. The church is not here just to make you laugh. The church isn't here just to make you feel good. The church is here to make you use what God gave you with a spiritual mind rather than with a fleshly mind. And the other thing we forget is this. Why we should love the church? Because Christ and the church are one. You can't separate them. 
You can't separate them. A husband and wife are one, and you don't separate them. They are one. And Jesus is one with his church. And when you talk about one, you can't help but talk about the other. They are one. And we haven't been able to catch that kind of picture of oneness that God really talks about. But what he's talking about is that our lives are interwoven with each other. And you cannot separate the church and talk about the church without talking about Christ. You cannot talk about Christ without really talking about his church. They are one. They are one. And then in 2 Corinthians, paints the picture that the church is the bride of Christ. That's why we should love the church. Because it is the bride of Christ. He is preparing us for himself. And we need to recognize this. Now, the church is like Eve. Adam's bride. Where did Eve come from? She came out of Adam. She came out of Adam. In Genesis 2.22, I've turned to it, but the woman was out of Adam, was returned to Adam by God. Catch that. God created this woman by taking a rib or whatever he took from Adam, fashioned Eve, and guess what? Brought her back to Adam. Unless you emanate from Jesus Christ, unless you are born of Jesus Christ, God cannot bring you back to Christ. He says, No man cometh unto me unless the Father draws him. But you've had to be born of Christ to be introduced as the bride of Christ. You have to be born of Christ in order to become a bride of Christ. Adam's bride came from him to be returned to him. All in the church, the bride, must first emanate from Jesus in order to be worthy to be returned to him. The Father brings us back to the one who creates us. And then even with Eve in 2 Corinthians 11.3, Adam the head was not deceived. But who was? Eve. Now understand this principle that God's giving us. And you can see it in history. And you can read it. The head, Jesus Christ, is never what? Deceived. Just like Adam. Adam was not deceived. The head is never deceived. But the church is the one that has to be cautious that is not deceived. The bride can be deceived. The bride can. And the reason the bride can be deceived is for the same reason that Eve was deceived. Would not obey the husband. The church is deceived when it will not obey its husband, 
the Lord Jesus Christ. We are deceived. But as long as we are believing Christ, walking with Christ, living in Christ, desiring him, we will not be deceived. But when Jesus is not the main thing, when Jesus is not first in our life, when Jesus is not superior in our life, then anything can sneak in. Anything can sneak in. And here's where, for a lot of people, something has snuck in other than Jesus Christ. It's called religion. So we're more religious than we are Christ-centered. We're more religious and more about being good than we are being like Christ. And that makes a big difference. And we need to understand that principle there. That yes, the church is like Eve. It can be deceived if it's not listening and following its head. It can be deceived. But the head will never be deceived. Now, we have to learn to dance with God. And that is something to do. How many of you here dance or dance at some time? Now, Melvin, you and Lynn like to skate. Who leads when they skate? What's that thumb doing? That guy has to lead if we're going to skate together and be in rhythm together. You know, if we're going to be able to... Somebody got to be in rhythm with the one who starts it off, you know. If we're going to take a turn together, somebody got to follow somebody or we're going to fall. See? How many of you dance and have somebody step on your toes? As the bride of Christ, we need to learn to dance with Christ. For as the music of heaven plays for us, we're dancing in rhythm with him. We're moving with him. We're swaying with him. We're seeing ourselves being led by him. Elaine and I, we still love to dance. And we'll get in our bedroom, put on our old sexy music, and off we go. And every now and then she thinks she's going to leave. You know? No, we got to get this straight here. And back we go again, you know. Because the thing is, if we're going to dance together, even through life, somebody has to what? We both can't lead. And when we dance with the Trinity, we dance in rhythm. We dance in rhythm. If you ever see the Jewish people dance at their synagogue, or the Greek Orthodox dance, It may be a big circle, but all their moves are together. And there's one person who basically leads in all those moves and sways that they make. But everybody else picks up real quick. Now, it's not easy to do. We are dancing with the Trinity. We are dancing with all three. Dancing and relating to Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the Father. Is no simple thing. No one gets 
the hang of it real quickly. It takes time. And for new Christians, and even for some older Christians, boy, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The one who's really leading your life right now is the Holy Spirit. And he speaks with the voice of Jesus in giving us our commands. He's the one who is guiding us here and there. And God is opening doors for him to take us through. And Jesus is there interceding for us in all of our faults and our failures when we're not right where we should be. That God would be long-suffering with us. That he'll be patient with us. Jesus is right there interceding on our behalf. But the Holy Spirit is there teaching us, guiding us, ministering to us. And in a sense, we're dancing with all three at this time. And again, we don't get the hang of it quickly or permanently. Why? Because there's always a new step you have to learn. Isn't that something when you, when you think you're used to dancing with somebody and then they throw something new in there? You know, when you think you're going to be turned this way, but you're turned the opposite way? There's always a new step that we have to learn. Another turn added to the dance. But you have to follow the lead. No matter what. It seems impossible, and that's why people get frustrated with church. That's why people get frustrated with walking with the Lord, because it really seems like, boy, he's too good of a dancer for me to dance with. I can't do that. I'm not able to move that way. I'm not able to make that turn. I'm not able to move that fast. And you're right. As long as you do it in the flesh, you won't keep up. But if you allow the Spirit of God to take over your life, you'll move in rhythm and you'll move very smoothly and it will seem like You are dancing on cloud because you're trusting him to guide you. Yes, it seems impossible, but the Holy Spirit is a good teacher. Go to John 14, 17. John 14. Because you and I need to understand that we have one who is here to teach us. And he says, the spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him. Understand that point and that principle. What you're able to do and who you're able to be taught by, guess what? The world can't be taught by them. 
But the Holy Spirit is going to teach you to dance with God, to stay in rhythm with God, to move with God. He's going to teach you. And you won't be out of step. He's going to teach you to sway with him. And he's going to teach you that when he grabs you in his arm and he spins you, he has you. He has you. It is always the man's responsibility when he's turning the woman to always have her where she's not falling or leaning. He's that support for her. And that Holy Spirit is that support for us. He holds us gently in his arms and he keeps us where we can move gracefully with our maker. And he says in that verse 17, he says, The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. You know him. Do you really know the Holy Spirit? Do you know the leading of the Holy Spirit? Do you know the voice of the Holy Spirit? Do you know the touch of the Holy Spirit in your life? Do you know the presence of the Holy Spirit being right there in front of you? Grabbing hold of you? Holding on to you? And leading you? But you know him, for he lives where? With you. With you. And will be where? In you. In you. One of the reasons that Elaine and I can walk together and, and, and dance together and enjoy life together because she's in me and I am in her. She's in my heart. I'm in her heart. And it allows us to move together in life very smoothly. Without God, it seems wrong, even foolish, and sometimes just downright stupid. How many of you have ever just danced with yourself? Don't be scared to raise them hands. Some of you waving, some. But how many of you ever just dance with yourself? Because when you allow that to take place, the Holy Spirit is right here with you, moving with you in life. And even dancing with yourself, you can trip over your own feet. But with the Holy Spirit, you're able to make every step a very distinguished step, a perfect and meaningful step because he's guiding you in it. He's doing it. Now, let's just go a little bit further here if we can, and then we're going to 
be over here. The church carries us. And this is why we should love the church. The church carries us through the pain and darkness of our lives. The church is the agent that God has chosen to help see us through some difficult days of our lives. The church is there with us being the light when there is no light. The church is there hugging you when there's no one there to hug you. The church is there encouraging you when there are no words of encouragement. The church is there. Why? Because the scripture says it cares for you and it feeds you. Feeds you spiritual life. The church. It carries us through the pains of life and darkness in life until we learn to dance smoothly with Jesus in that time of life in which we are living and become actively involved in church life. He's carrying us. Now understand something. Once I really become actively involved in church life, now I'm going to start really growing. And we're going to talk about that some next week. Without your activity in church life, you're not going to grow very much. Now I'm not saying, boy, being busy in the physical church. Although this is one place where you can start. But when you take church outside these four walls and make it church, and then you yourself are practicing and teaching others what church is really about and like, you'll be surprised how you grow personally. That when you become involved in church, not just talking about church, but practical living church. Because the church is alive. And we've made it so, oh, I'm the church. Well, you're part of the church. You are not the church per se. Yes, you are the temple of God in which God dwells in. But the church is where the collective people of God really meets. That's why when somebody says, I'm the church and I can have, have church all by myself, not really. Because, see, when you're having church all by yourself, where's your pastors at? Where your elders are at? Where your brothers and sisters are at? And when you're all by yourself, well, you're just basically by yourself because the Lord, when it comes to church, says wherever two or three are gathered in his name, he's where? In the midst. The church is a partial fulfillment of the kingdom of God here on earth at this time. It serves as a primary agent of that kingdom. The church is representing the kingdom of Jesus Christ. The church represents the kingdom of the living God. The church does. And you and I need to recognize it is the church the inward discipline with outward expressions. When you learn God's word here and it drops down to here 
Then you begin to walk it out, out here. But if you don't get it in here, so that it can drop down here, for the, out of here, the heart comes the issues of what? The issues of life. So that you're flowing like a living river, like water flows. Now when you begin to walk, people can begin to witness and see, and then you begin to be what Paul says, you are our written epistles, read by who? Read by men, because what are they seeing? They're seeing your life, they're seeing your walk, because the scripture didn't get stuck here. It dropped on down into the heart. You discipline this, the body, and you bring the body under control, under the control of what? Under the control of the scriptures, under the control of the written word, under the control of God through the power of the Holy Spirit, who then teaches you how to apply the word in everyday life, and then you're beginning to walk it, and people begin to see it, and people can't believe what they see. And when that begins to happen, you'll hear people say this about you. You weird. You foolish. I wouldn't live like that. But what they don't know is what you know in here. And that has dropped down to here. And now by faith, you're walking it out here. Nothing wrong with knowledge. But if knowledge only stays up here, what good does it do you? Knowledge is something you have to be able to put into practice. And it benefits you when you practice it. It's profitable for you when you live it. That's the receiving end. That when you're living out scripture, it's profitable for you. It's what then you are now receiving from God. Go to Proverbs there for a moment. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen. Because this is what we don't like to happen. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen. As iron sharpens iron, now now listen to this. So one man sharpens what? If somebody here in church don't make you mad, you won't learn how to control your anger. So it's good that God put somebody in the church that can make you mad. That can cause you to boil over. And then you got to practice one of those fruits of the Spirit, self-control. Hey. And see, if you're not practicing then the self-control, you're not really living it out where Scripture says that you should always bring this body, what? Under control. Hey. So the Lord said, yeah, you can be angry because he knows this person is going to cause you to be angry, but take care of it before what? The sun goes down. 
Because you don't have to be angry all day long. You don't have to be angry all week long. You don't have to be angry all month. Some folks are angry all their life because of what somebody did to them 20 years ago. And God's using that anger to discipline you, to bring you under control. And then God's going to use somebody in the church who took your seat. And God's going to say, be kind to them. Lord, you don't know what they did to me. They took my, they know I sit there every week. But go over and say hello to them. Go over and put your arms around them and say, hi, sister. Hello, my sister. Hello, my brother. You know. Some of us, boy, we see somebody in our seat and we want to go. <laughs> Person may be a stranger saying, what did I do? And now you've got to practice that kindness. But it happens here in the church because guess what? If you can't do it here, you definitely can't do it out there. You got to first learn it in here. And then you can practice it and perform it well out there. But if you can't do it in here, you're going to be a mess out there. That's why the world says, yeah, y'all go in there, y'all sing hallelujah, praise the Lord, but when y'all get out here, y'all using the F's, the S's, and the D's, and everything else. No, what we learn in here is what we practice out there. And he says, iron has to sharpen iron. So iron got to hit iron. In the, and yes, the, the sparks may fly. And sometimes the sparks fly in light. But when they're flying, remember you're being sharpened. Remember you're being prepared for something. Remember, God wants to use you, and he's getting you ready for that. Ecclesiastes, chapter 4. Nine and ten. He says, two are better than one, because they have a good return for their work. We're helping each other. We're building each other. And when we do that, we're going to have a good return for our work, for what we do. If one falls down, his friend can what? Help him up. We're able to help each other. Why do we love the church? Because we're able to help each other. There are people in the church that I will call for help before I call in my own family. Because of who they are in the church. And we're able to help each other. We begin to grow in the church. This is our growing area. Why do we love the church? This is our growing area. This is where we grow. This is where our minds grow. This is where our spiritual intellect grows. This is where we're being challenged at here in the church. 
And because one is able to exercise fruits of the Spirit and we're able to observe it, do not mean one is mature. It just means, yes, the Holy Spirit is starting to really work and to illuminate himself in that person's life. But that don't mean that they're mature yet. Because the Spirit is in me, he's trying to exercise his gifts through me. And when we begin to see it, doesn't mean a person is mature. But we think because a person speaks in tongues, boy, woo, boy, they up here. No. Growing maturity is a lifelong process. It hurts to grow. And sometimes people will hurt. They'll hurt over what someone else said to them. They'll hurt over what's been said from the pulpit. They'll hurt because of what the elders have said. They'll hurt because of what the deaconesses have said. They hurt because of what the choir director may have said. They hurt. But that's growing. That's growing. Did any of you grow up without ever falling down and skinning your knees? Did any of you ever grow up without any cuts on your legs or knees or hands? And it hurt. But did it stop you from growing? Did it heal? And you move on. It takes time to grow. A true transformation determines our growth. Looking more like Jesus in action. That we're looking more like Jesus in our everyday life. When true transformation has taken place in different areas of our life, that's growth. That's maturing when it takes place. Amen? And you and I, we need to sharpen each other. Yes, there's times that we're going to hit each other. and We're going to see sparks fly. And that's okay. Because that's growing time. That's growing time. And there's nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with it. If you really want to grow. And we're going to talk about some of that next week. Because oftentimes with people in church, they run from church to church rather than growing. Nothing wrong with God taking you from here and someplace else and plant you. That's his job. That's his job. But let him do it. Don't let some hurt do it. Don't let old you don't know what I went through with so-and-so there, so I'd rather not see them. No. See them as your brother and sister in Christ. And God is using them to help all of us to grow. A gentleman was talking about an agitator. How many of you remember the old Maytag washer? What was down in there? That old agitator. But without the agitator, the clothes wouldn't get what? And without somebody shaking you, you're not going to get clean.
So we need it. And we need each other. And let me close with this one. The reason we need each other because in reality we love each other. Who fights the hardest? Two brothers fighting each other? Or fighting outside? <laughs> it has always comes down two brothers will fight each other harder. Two family members will fight each other harder than they fight somebody with. Yeah. But it also deepens their love. Father, we thank you for your word. And we pray, Father, as we continue to go through this series, the church and the saint and and that area of being saved, that, Lord, that we will grow and, and that we will understand and our maturity will shine forth. We're here to be used of you. And we pray, Lord, that you would use us. We are children. And we are your children. May you teach us. May you mature us. May you discipline us. May you, O God, cause us to walk uprightly with you. And we'll give you praise and give you the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. As we give to him, we want to thank him. And I want to thank you. God has been more than gracious to this church in many different ways. And I want to thank you for following the lead of your Heavenly Father and your love for Jesus Christ. Father, as we give, we give in love. We don't give grudgingly. We give because we love him who first loved us. And we're giving, Lord, because we recognize that the church is his church and he's using us to continue to further his work. And we pray, Father, that you will take what is given today and that you would advance it, you would cause it to grow, multiply, that it might meet every need of Akron Alliance Fellowship. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.